0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another R slash malicious compliance video. So I was checking out my statistics, and it turns out that only one of you guys aren't subscribed. So if you don't want to be that one holdout, make sure you hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by Real Texas Jake. Bring down all the servers down during the day? Why not? At the height of the subprime mortgage market, around 2007, when all it took to qualify for a home loan was that you were breathing, I reluctantly took a job with a mid-sized lender that had the HQ in one state and a large office in another, where I was. We had very recently combined two local offices and moved into a shiny new building we had all to ourselves. In order to keep the servers up during a power outage, we had a massive battery backup array. They wanted these servers to remain powered for a minimum of 12 hours in case the power went out. We had 32 batteries daisy chained together with one unit serving as the control unit. When we moved this massively heavy battery array from the old building to the new, getting it all reconnected was one of my duties. I got them all stacked and connected and turned on. Before we had connected the servers, I made sure they were all aligned properly and at one point gave one a little bump to move it just a bit and the whole thing shut off. After double checking everything, I concluded we had a bad controller that could continue to present intermittent problems. The VP of IT, we'll just call him VP, had flown out to oversee the move. This guy was just a kid of 23, and if I recall correctly, he was the son of a friend of the founders. He was a smart guy, just inexperienced and had an ego that far exceeded his skills and experience. So I told him, hey VP, there's a fault in the battery array. If you bump it a little, it goes off. VP replies, don't worry about it, Jake. Just get it up and running so we can get the servers connected. So I did. This was not the malicious compliance. Three months down the road, everything in the new office is humming along and it's time to catch up on lingering tasks. On the phone with VP, he says, Jake, go reconfigure the controller card for the battery array with the IP address I just emailed you. You guessed it. Malicious compliance. I knew what was very likely to happen, and I purposely did not remind the VP of the instability of the controller card. So, after the call, I grabbed a serial cable and my laptop and went down to the server room. The moment I plugged that cable into the controller card of the battery array, the entire thing went down like a drunk on an icy sidewalk. Normally this wouldn't be a huge issue, but this was a mortgage company and it was early afternoon on the last day of the month. Interest rates had been knocked out and loans had to be closed. I powered the battery array back on, fired up the servers, collected my laptop and walked out. As I came back up the stairs to the main office area, it was pandemonium. No one quite understood what had happened yet. The VP called me and asked what the freak happened. I replied, I only did what you told me to do, I went to reconfigure the controller card for the battery array and then reminded him that I'd previously reported it as faulty. I of course got the blame for the whole debacle, hundreds of loans didn't get closed that day, the predatory lender lost out on a lot of money and I was about to get fired. When I got back to the tech room, I started copying all my files etc to a CD because I knew what was going to happen. I also had a talk with the VP of Lending and explained what really happened. At the end of the workday, I was brought into the conference room by HR. The VP was on the speakerphone. Jake, this is all your fault, and I'm afraid I'm going to have to let you go. I was stoic in my reply. No, this is your fault. I warned you before that the controller was bad. He said, you knew it was the last day of the month. You should have known to wait the next day and proceeded to start yelling and screaming at me because he had to deflect because HR was right there. I stopped him in the middle of seething and said, um, VP, you fired me right? He shot back, you're freaking right I did. So I stood up, took a calm deep breath and said, then I don't need to sit here and listen to you. And I walked out, leaving my laptop behind. I could hear the speakerphone jumping off the conference room table as he screamed at me to come back. I stopped laughed and kept on walking. Best day of work I ever had. What kind of lending company does like very serious internal servicing work like that during business hours? Do you guys agree that whoever above that VP of IT should have been able to see the obvious, hey, why are we even doing this work during business hours and brought it down on the VP? Or do you guys think this whole thing must just be dysfunctional? Let me know in the comments down below. This next story is by Solo 1961. Won't pay OT? Well then. I was a teenager working in a retail hardware store. This was kind of the old fashioned store where the customer was greeted with, May I help you? And then work with them one on one to make sure they sell them what they needed or wanted. The boss was a boozer. He'd come to work in the morning, hungover and surly. He'd leave early to go hang out with his buddies at the Moose Lodge and drink. It was heck working for him. But I stuck around because I truly love the hardware store environment and learning from the tradesmen that were our customers. And as a 17-year-old, I relished in the role as a manager. In the summer, I worked full-time and then some. One week I'd put in over 60 hours. He came to me and told me because I'm a teen, I'm not allowed to be paid overtime. I challenged him on this because, hey, I'm not totally stupid. He finally tells me he'll pay me, but he was no longer going to pay me overtime. No matter how many hours I worked, I agreed and said no more OT. Cue the malicious compliance. My scheduled hours did not change. Opening to closing 6 days a week, 12 hours a day. On day 4, I closed the store at the exact moment I reached 40 hours on my time card, sent the part-timers home, and did not open the store the next morning. At about 11 in the morning, I got a furious phone call from him. Why the freak aren't you here? I had customers lined up in the parking lot because you told me not to work overtime, and I've already worked 40 hours this week. Don't you remember that conversation? Get your butt here now! Am I getting paid overtime? He yelled, cussed, and threatened, but I stuck with my guns and got my OT. I made good money that summer for a teenage kid. As a side note, the job ended not too long after. Boss was pissing away his profits through his alcoholism. He sold out and moved to Florida. Years later, I learned he died from cirrhosis. This guy really wanted to hopefully just take advantage of a teenager working there, and I don't know, I guess hope that OP would just give up on overtime, just do the work anyways? Good on OP for sticking to their guns and just not showing up if they're not going to pay them. Some people might be shy or have a hard time doing that, but if it was me, and they're literally saying, no, we're not going to pay you overtime, I wouldn't be showing up after that, hoping that maybe they do pay me. This next story is by The Real Federal. Does your priority take precedence over his priority? I was working as the technical writer for a software company that had contracts across a number of business types everything from government utilities to military simulation. As such, I ended up tasked by several teams in the company, each one needing my immediate attention in generating user's guides and documentation for their projects. My bosses, only had two, Bob and Bob, also needed me to assist them in writing proposals for various contracts that they were bidding on. This led to me constantly being pulled in multiple directions at once as everyone needed me to finish their project yesterday. I was working until late in the night sometimes to finish vital projects that they just had to have. The final straw came when after listening to one of the programming teams witch me out for failing to update the user's guide for a software update that they'd only finished the day before. And one of my bosses called me into his office to chew me out for failing to complete his proposal that he kept making changes to at 11pm the night it was due to be submitted. Oh, and our office manager had left for maternity leave, so our penny-pinching bosses figured I could do her tasks, like answering phones, buying office supplies, and entering time cards in my copious spare time. When he told me sternly that I would need to learn to manage my work time better, I finally snapped. Malicious compliance powers activate! I came in on a Sunday and posted up a huge magnetic whiteboard behind my desk that was visible as you walked into my office. I made colored magnetic labels with each project I was currently doing, who had assigned the task, and the due date of each. I also put a column of numbers, 1 through 20, along the side. I then placed each task in order of due date. I came in early that morning and, as usual, each team lead came into my office to ask the status of their tasking of me. I pointed behind me at my board and said I'm currently working on tasks 1 and 2. If you think your task takes priority, I'm going to need written permission from the people above you to move your tasks above theirs. There were a lot of unhappy people that morning. Eventually, the bosses sauntered in and came into my office after listening to all the teams complaining to them about me ignoring their projects. They both came into my office and before they had said anything, I pointed behind me. All I said was, I'm currently juggling 18 projects and the job of the full-time office manager. I can only work on so many things simultaneously. If you think that any of my projects are out of priority order, let me know. Otherwise, leave me alone." The two of them stared at the board for about 5 minutes before leaving. About an hour later, they came in and said that they didn't realize the amount of work each of the teams was throwing on my plate because each team thought I had plenty of spare time. I wish I could say that I got a raise or an attaboy, but by the end of the day, 6 items were pulled from my board and given back to the programming teams. Oh, and my bosses hired a temp to take care of the phones and time cards until our office manager returned. Sorry it wasn't a people got fired or the company folded a year later kind of story, but I thought it belonged here. Sadly I feel like the ending of this story is almost like a organizational problem and not necessarily like the company just being so bad. Like it was just different departments not understanding the amount of work OP actually had. And I don't know if it was necessarily OP's fault for not communicating the amount of things they had, but it seems like once it was just, you know, formally written down on paper, everybody's like, oh crap, that is a lot. Sorry, let me take some of that off your plate. This next story is by MBXZ7LWB, Programmer Revenge Story. I was hired as a temp for this big food distribution company, of which I will remain nameless for anonymity six. The woman's position I was filling in for was going on maternity leave soon. I really needed the job at the time, so I took it, and they promised if I did an amazing job they'd hired me full-time. I was a raw material supply distributor. Basically, I ordered supplies and sent them where they needed to go for scientists to make new foods. I have a really strong background in computer programming. After learning how to do the job in a month or so, she had her baby and went on leave. I completely automated this woman's job in a matter of weeks only using Excel and PowerShell. I didn't say a word until the end of my last few weeks, where I basically did very little in the time leading up to her return. I added in a few updates for changes in workflows and verified all the data was correct at the end of the day after it ran, but that was all I really did. I asked for more work from my boss, which led to me to fill in on the production line, a path I did not want to take. Towards the last few weeks of my temp period, the woman returned from maternity leave. I showed her what I'd done. Her jaw had about hit the floor in awe that I'd made all the hard work she was doing for years be completed by a computer program in a few minutes every day. In our next team meeting, it was brought up that I would need to get everyone online with this program before my temp period was up. Ding, ding, ding went off in my head. They are not planning on keeping me with that idiotic comment. So I obliged and got everyone on board. Unbeknownst to them, I put in a clause in the PowerShell script with a CLI XML encryption locally to the PC I was using. It grabs a specific encrypted date a few weeks out from my termination date and would just stop working after that date, or once they'd wiped my local folder on the PC, or just simply not having the PC on. If they decided to keep me, I could just turn it off and no one would be the wiser. I added this snippet to every if statement and for loop possible, with a new variable every time, thanks PowerShell, in the code. So if someone was to go through it to try and fix it, it would be a nightmare to fix it, if they had the audacity too, with identifying and renaming every variable and clause and regenerating the clicks mold. So, as you can imagine, I was not offered a full-time position for said company and when I'd mentioned the comments when I first started for doing an amazing job, which I believe I had fit the criteria for doing so, my boss said that with SAP coming into the production team next week, my expertise would not be needed. A month or so later, I got a text from my old boss saying that he needed to talk to me about the program I wrote. It was two days after my magic shutoff date, I knew exactly what the call was about and never returned the call, as I had a better job offer already lined up. I feel if I had returned the call, I wouldn't be able to stop laughing during the conversation of troubleshooting. I think honestly I'm just surprised that OP didn't write about like, them getting nearly hostile or threatening legal action or something. I feel like a company that made this shift to these programs and became like, slightly dependent upon them, and then having that taken away, they would start getting like, desperate or something. And our final story of the day is by Spinny 2666 People fill up my marketplace search with their $1 posts for things they want $4,000 for, so I say, Hi, I'm definitely interested in this for $1, when can we arrange a pickup? I'm fulfilled when they angrily tell me that's not the real price and how clueless I am. Often, did you really think you could buy an item for $1? Why? That's just showbiz, baby. OP literally identified something that I absolutely hate. Whether it's Marketplace or even like Craigslist, the amount of people who will list something for a dollar or even like random low amounts like $7 just to have their things pop up, it's super annoying. It gets to the point where if you're looking for something probably in like the $50 plus range, I put like a minimum price of like $12 in there or just like something totally random that... Should filter out all the bottom stuff and still hopefully get you like lowest priced stuff. I have respect honestly for OP though for doing this to people who just abuse the $1 price tag so they appear at the top of lowest price first sorting. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel, and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Botox Cosmetic, Ata Botulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.